the volume. Moneyline Monaco is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. This is why I love betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook. There's great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and so much more. There's amazing new and existing user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings if you want to cash out in as fast as two hours and how fun is it to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay discover the most popular same game parlays each day right when you log in presented by FanDuel on that homepage if you are new just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now sign up with promo code Monaco so they know I sent you disclaimer 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. All right, welcome into another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. I got a special guest with me. He is a part of Odyssey and the Sports Betting Insider there. He's also the host of You Better, You Bet, my guy, Nick Costos in the building, doing it live finally on the pod. Nick, great to be with you. Alex, what's going on, man? Great to be on with you. Love the content that you guys are, are rolling and pumping out there. And just very jealous that, honestly, like we've talked about this off air. I like my last name. Nice Greek kid, Nick Costos. Nick Monaco has a great ring to it, though. So I'm a little, <laughs> a little jealous of, of your last name. I think it's like a great name for what we do. But awesome to be on with you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Let's let's get right into it. And hey, you can join the Monaco group anytime. Just hop on down and and try. I know a Nick Monaco, so you know we'll double. I up went on with that Jericho anytime. on my on my fake ID back back in the day because I was a big pro <laughs> wrestling fan. So my it was Nick Jericho. Nick Monaco has a nice ring to it, also though. Has a great ring to it. All right, so I want to talk a few different sports betting kind of overall approaches with you for our audience to get better. I know you're very sharp. You've been doing this a long time. I did want to start, though, with, of course, the talk of the week in the college basketball world. Duke, North Carolina, first time ever. It's like I got to triple check my stigmatism that it's the first time they've ever danced in the March Madness tournament. I can't believe it. I don't know if that's by design or not. Either way, Coach K's last ride coming down to a exciting one with North Carolina. So right now, UNC's getting plus four on our home book, FanDuel, plus 162 on the money line. Have you come to a conclusion on which side you're leaning in Duke, North Carolina? Oh, hell yeah, man. And I'm not <laughs> even talking about a side I'm leaning. I, I bet this game already, and I absolutely love my bet. And this is the type of bet that I place. And if I lose, I am like fully at peace with it because I think that I have made the right decision. It does not mean that I am going to win. I could easily lose because all things are possible. No such thing as a lock, et cetera. But like, I feel really good about this bet. I laid the four with Duke and I absolutely Let's love go. it. Yeah, Let's and I'm gonna, go. And I'm going to tell you why, why I think this is a really 
at least like this, like the, my thought process, I feel like is pretty sound and I'll draw, it's not apples to apples, but I do feel like there's at least a slight parallel to be drawn with this game and the national championship game in college football with Alabama and, and Georgia, right? So Georgia, Bama, they play in the SEC championship game. Georgia's a six and a half point favorite in that game. Bama, of course, kills them in the game. Then they meet in the national championship game like a month later. The point spread is Georgia minus two and a half. And my thought going into that game was like, okay, like I understand that Bama won the game. Bama embarrassed Georgia. Should the point spread really be like four points off from what it was based on the result of one game? Like we had market data of the teams playing already. And it's like, oh, we're just going to ignore that. We're just going to go based on what we saw. We're going to ignore what the market said. And we're going to set this as the line. So I bet Georgia in that game. Now, this is not me saying after the fact, like victory lapping, oh, I won my bet. So I was right. I feel like that was a good bet to place no matter what happened in the game for the reason that I laid out. And I think that we have kind of a similar parallel here with Duke and North Carolina. So let's go back to the first of the two regular season meetings between these two teams at Chapel Hill. So Duke visits North Carolina. Duke closes a three and a half point road favorite. The implication there, if you want to give three, even if you want to give three and a half points for like a crazy rivalry game and a great raucous atmosphere, the implication there is that Duke is six and a half or seven points better than Carolina on a neutral, right? right. Then they play in the final regular season game of Coach K's career um, at Cameron Indoor. Duke closes 11 and a half in that game. Now they get an avalanche of support from public or otherwise. Everyone bet Duke in that game. So let's say even you want to call the true line of that game 10 or 10 and a half. Like if we're going to adjust that downward, the point spread should be seven or six and a half on a neutral Duke favored over North Carolina. So the people that like Carolina will say, well, look at how well Carolina's played since then. They beat the stuffing out of Duke in that game, embarrassed Duke in Coach K's last regular season game in Cameron Indoor, and now find themselves in the Final Four, took down Baylor in, um, in really impressive fashion, beat UCLA, and then killed St. Peter's. Great. I understand. Also, Duke's here too. Like Duke didn't just like stumble through the bracket and get to the final four. So even if you want to credit North Carolina, you also have to credit Duke. So that's kind of where like I come to my decision here. Like I kind of think Duke should be six and a half in the game. Therefore, so I'm going to bet Duke. That doesn't mean Carolina can or won't win the game by 30, but I feel very comfortable betting Duke for the reasons I laid out. Yeah, and I like that approach, Nick. And I'm I'm on Duke as well. I'm still a little indecisive on the four or not. You look at what happened betting-wise against the spread in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. I believe it was 11 of 12 covers for teams that were going to win five underdogs. When you look at that element that teams were covering down the stretch in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, do you, do you look at that as a trend that you want to continue? I know you're laying the four here, but seeing that teams that won covered – more times than not. Do you think that's been the theme here of this particular March Madness? See, I, I think that like betting on sports for me, I try and like view each game as like its own like individual like puzzle piece to be figured out. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. For instance, like longtime listeners of You Better You Bet and watch viewers of our show will know like when Anthony Lynn was the head coach of the Chargers, Whenever they were a big favorite, you bet against them. When they were a big underdog, you would bet on them. The Vikings last year with Mike Zimmer, kind of the same thing. Where there are like trends that actually I feel like we can actually quantify and say there's a reason why this happens because because Zimmer gets conservative with the lead, allows the team back in. They can they can throw the ball and come back mode. There are actual reasons why. I feel like if there's like a tough re reason, like hypothesizing something, well, it's like it happened in this round. Like, ergo, it has to happen in this round. Like, I don't necessarily think that's true. Like, it could happen. Like, of course, like, all things are possible. Like, you could go to, sit down at a roulette table and it could come up black 50 times in a row. It doesn't have to come up red when the sample size is infinite. So I'm kind of of the approach that, like, I try and I don't normally look at stuff like that 
just because I don't think it's predictive. Like it could happen again, but there's no good reason for it to happen again. So I'm, I'm personally going to stay away from that. And I'm going to try and like individually break down each game as like its own puzzle piece to be figured out. Well, I'm a recovering San Diego Charger fan from San Diego. So you, you, you spoke very on point with that Anthony Lynn thought there. That's for sure. Well, let's stay on your process. When you go into the lab and you're looking at each game as its own puzzle piece for our listeners, you know, there's a wealth of information out there. There's stats, there's analytics, there's feel, there's numbers, all kinds of ways you can kind of mix and mingle and convince yourself one way or another talk a little bit about your approach at the plate when it comes to sports betting on each game. I think the most important thing is like the actual like number itself, like the point spread of the game, like what's the market for the game. And I just, I I think that this is probably right. It might be my opinion. I think it's right though. Like, I think the expression like Vegas knows, like I actually, my opinion is that Vegas doesn't know like the people that actually know are the people that are betting. So like if a point spread comes out in the National Football League, for instance, I'll give an example. Um, And I I think that I'm right on with this example. The Titans played the Texans for the second time this year. And I think like the Titans opened like 10 and a half in the game against Houston. And I want to say it closed eight. And I remember like sitting down and I make my own numbers in the NFL, sitting down and like going through it. And I'm like, this this number is just wrong. And I am not claiming to be like the sharpest of sharp bettors. I am not a pro better. I'm a host who bets and I've been betting for like two decades, but still like that number was so off. And it doesn't mean that Tennessee couldn't have won and covered the spread. Houston did end up covering, but that number is wrong. Like Vegas did not know. The people that bet actually told Las Vegas like what the number should actually be. So I think like trying to like understand closing spreads being so important as a data point to take moving forward. Now, There are instances where like you can't use that necessarily like Kansas Villanova haven't played this season. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, they played like two weeks ago. The spread was this and now it's this. So like I can draw a conclusion like we can do that for Duke, North Carolina, because they played twice already this season. But trying to like get an understanding of what analytics to look for. And I'll give a specific example here. So Ken Pomeroy is generally thought of as like one of the godfathers of college basketball analytics. There are other like really great ones as well, but Ken Palm is the most referenced one. Sure, so, yeah. So Ken Palm makes Kansas Villanova a one point spread if Justin Moore were playing in the game. He's not obviously, right? Right. So Ken Palm makes it one. My co-host on You Better You Bet, Ken Barkley, who's a much like sharper gambling mind than I am, Lockie Lockerson on Twitter. He, he has projections for every single college basketball game he would have made Kansas one and a half or two if Justin Moore were playing in the game. Like that's a critical data point to have because it's not just like parachuting in and being like, oh, well, Kansas is four and a half. Why is Kansas four and a half? And then you can kind of ask questions about it, right? So if Ken Palm makes it one, my co-host makes it one and a half, let's say one and a half is the right number if Moore is going to play. The number is now four and a half. Do you, Alex, do you, the person listening to this right now, do you think that that's right? that Justin Moore being out is worth three points to the point spread. I feel like it's a question that's impossible to answer. So I'm of the opinion like, okay, if, if this if the spread trickles out more, we see five and a half for Kansas. You know people are going to bet Kansas on Saturday, right? Like that number is going to move. I think Villanova probably becomes a valuable bet. So that's an instance where like using analytics and like understanding a point spread, I think can be very beneficial and positive towards, towards making a bet. Um, There are a lot of things that you can use, a lot of tools in a betters toolbox. I think an understanding of why the number is what it is, I think is the single most critical. 
Well, and it's interesting. You mentioned the Justin Moore thing. I mean, he's second leading scorer on the team. I believe they have four guys in double figures. The line moves X amount. It's, it's a tough cookie to crack. I think, like you said, you alluded to it. It's almost impossible to figure out. So on that thought, then Nick, will you go and will you look at where the money is, where the tickets are, and how often are you looking at the percentage of bets versus the public versus your decision making when you're firing on a spread? Like literally never. Like see, I used to. Really? Um, never. Um, I think like see, because all I was on the Nets the other day against the Grizzlies. No jaw. Did it on TV. The whole thing. Found out ninety one. TV show is great, by the way. I just want to shout you oh, out. And I messaged you. you that because I'm in New York and I see it locally. The oh, show, you're in New York. Is, Let's go. I'm in New Welcome. York City. I'm New we gotta York. Grab a, we got to grab a brew in a game, man. Absolutely. No, but the TV show is great. Please continue. Thank you. No, but so I see 91% of the, t- the the public is on the nets and I and I and my stomach drops and I'm like, all right, I'm on the wrong side. And now obviously the public wins, but sometimes overwhelmingly when the public is on one side, like again, you're, you're hashing that out. You're like, all right, KD, Kyrie going against the Grizzlies, no jaw, even though they're 17 and two, 18 and two without jaw. Either way, as soon as I saw that, I was off of it. So sometimes the public money scares me. Um, I would, well, like an NBA regular season game. I don't know. It's like, it's like with a college basketball regular season game. It's not like an NFL game or like a final, like what's the hands all on like Nets Grizzlies on a night in March. And I forget like what day that game was on, but like that <laughs> it was a national on, TV game. It wasn't ESPN game. Was, was it like a, I, I, the only reason I say that was, it may have been like, and I forget what day that game was. It may have been going up against the first four in the tournament. It may have been going up against actual NCAA tournament games. Just that like, I don't know that I would use percentages in like an NBA regular season game that like probably is not getting like not everyone's betting that game the way that people are going to bet do Carolina, Nova, Kansas, or like an NFL game. I think the other thing to consider is it's like, okay, let's say, let's say I am not, let's say that I am the best better of all time or like, like one of the best sports betters. I win 57% of my sports bets. Right. And I am a winning sports better. And I am like, in like a first ballot hall of fame sports better because of that. I lose 43% of the time, 45% of the time, 40% of the time. It's like sitting down at a roulette table. And I used this example before and being like, you watch five, five spins and it's black five times. And you're like, well, I have to bet red. It can't be black again. Like the sample size is infinite. It could be black 500 times in a row. Now it'll even out over the course of human existence. But think about like, it's, it's not a limited sample size. Um, just like it's not a limited sample size with when you're when you're looking at public percentages, right? The best betters are going to lose. The public is going to win. So I think that if that's like, it can, I guess, be like a tool in your toolbox, but like, I don't think it should be like one of the primary ones, me personally. Um, in a yeah, it's just way. a tool. It's just one of the many things I, you know, I approach the, the painting. I, I look at it in many different ways. I did want to talk to you about live betting though. Um, I'm coming off the jazz last night. Uh, just absolute brutal bad beat there where they were minus 15 and a half in the fourth quarter. So when you are on we'll get Donovan side, Mitchell to New York, though, he'll be playing alongside us next year because he hates playing. I know. Now. Uh, that's, what, that's what the Knicks need right there. For sure. But when you're seeing, and, and that's what I wanted to speak to, one side you're on, say it's a pick em game, something of that ilk, and you're getting double-digit points, will you – double down and tr- and hedge you'll hedge but you have a chance to win twice like you know let's say the jazz were to win that game but you could have also grabbed the clippers plus 15 and a half if they went on a run the jazz win by four you win twice 
are you do you have any philosophies basically when it comes to live betting let's talk about hoops first and then if you have some football thoughts as well yeah yeah, i think like like middling is obviously like a great idea um i think there are two separate ways to answer the question like one is if you've placed a bet pre-flop before the game starts and one is if like you go to the game blind and like kind of want to let see how it plays out for instance and i lost on this so it's not like i did not win i lost doing this ucla carolina I'm not betting the game until I see Jaime Jaquez on the court. Like, does he look good? Does he look healthy? If he does, I'm betting UCLA. He comes out, he looks pretty good. I live bet UCLA. Carolina wins the game. I lose my bet. But I felt like pretty confident that that was going to be like a good strategy. Didn't work out. My read on the game was wrong. But that was like, that's one way. Like to live bet a game. Going in with like a notion, if X happens, then I am going to do Y. And I did that and I lost. Because you, you can't win all the time. But I think like if you're going to bet a game pre-flop before it starts, and then like you want to bet alive, like I, I think trying to middle is definitely like a, a smart strategy, right? And like, I definitely did that in the NFL playoffs a couple of times. I think like what it requires you to do, and not everyone wants to do this every single night, is like sit and like watch the game intently, which you kind of have to do, get a sense of like what's going on. Like right. maybe, you know, a lot of this is algorithms, right? It's not like a person because you can't have, things are going so fast. You can't have a person like sitting there, like taking the time to think, well, the line's going to be this. It's an algorithm based on the pregame number, right? Based on math. Um, math does not necessarily indicate for like a guy getting hurt. And then they toss a live number up and it's like, well, this number does not take into account the fact that the best player in the game is now no longer playing in it. So I definitely think that there are some advantages to live betting. The problem, honestly, sincerely with me in live betting is like, I spend so much of my time and this is like a Nick Costos problem. Like, so kind of a selfish answer, like, I host a four-hour show. Um, I, I have to spend time with my girlfriend who I live with at nights. Like, I can't sit and watch every second of a game to be able to live bet it. But, like, with the NFL, like, definitely, because I'm sitting, I'm locked into all those games. So, I think a couple different approaches. Like, are you betting the game before it starts? And if not, what are you looking for before you place a live bet going in with the plan? And then the second thing would be, if you do place a bet before the game and you're going to bet it live, I think, like, trying to middle, like, getting something that lands in – in the middle of your two numbers. So you win both bets would be the approach that I would advocate for. Well, and there's, there's one thing that I don't know if the numbers can dictate and that's the emotion of the game sure. and momentum that you're watching. And last night, you know, I, I did fire on the Clippers when they were basically coming back. Cause at home, I was watching the jazz collapse with my own eyes. Paul George is went, back. He's playing well. You have that piece yeah, of data so, also. Like once the game starts, you don't know how Paul George is going to look. And then the game starts and he's awesome. Like that's a new piece of information you can use to live bet. Yeah. And so how often will you with your own, you know, the eye test dictate your live betting approach versus the analytical? Like, will you often get emotional when you are oh, betting yeah. and watching or do you try actually to go more analytical and, and try to stay straight business with it? Now, look, I think I've given you like a lot of like what I would consider to be like, if you, what you want to under the umbrella of like straight business sort of answers. But at the end of the day, I'm an emotional guy and I can bet emotionally for sure. And like, and I love that part of it, like kind of like succumbing to the degen desires, right. And just making <laughs> like, I want to bet on this game. I want this bet on the game because I am rooting for this team. And I'm open about that on my show. Like, there are bets that I make and I will say to the audience, like, I, I don't know if this is like the sharpest bet to make, but I'm making it because I think it's fun and I'm going to try and win making it. An example would be like, I wanted to see Gonzaga Duke. I wanted Gonzaga Duke in the regional final. I thought it would be just a tremendously entertaining, like sporting event, Gonzaga trying to knock and coach K's career, coach K getting past the Zags and roots of the final four. I bet Gonzaga live once they hit plus money and Arkansas beat them. Like I lost that bet. 
I mean, that is just one of a million examples that I can give of when I get emotional watching a game, like I may like be rooting for a team and like, okay, now I'm going to bet because I want to see this team win and I bet it. So like, I, I don't know if it's a dumb bet necessarily because it could have won, but I would say that I make plenty of emotional bets for sure. What's one thing you could educate our audience with that you have learned either by losing or everything you've, you've learned from Lockie Lockerson, anything you picked up from all the people you've, you've worked with and talked to in the sports betting industry that for new betters, casual betters could really benefit from. Well, I think, um, I think the answer always has to start with um, because, you know, I've been, I'm 38 years old. I started betting on sports my senior year of college in 2004. Um, You do kind of like what we do for, and I don't know, I think you're definitely probably a good amount younger than me, but like I do well, pretty well now financially, but at the start of my career, like you're working in sports, if you're working off air, like you're probably not, not doing that great. And that's fine because I have put my head down. Like I loved working in the industry. Basically the point of this is that I had no money, like or very little money. And when I started betting, I was betting largely like outside of my means. Like I was, I made stupid bets. Like uh, an example of one um, that I would give would be um, I bet on in, you could actually look this up, this game, September, 2005, Marlins, Phillies. Dontrell Willis is pitching for the then Florida Marlins, not yet the Miami Marlins at home against Philadelphia. This is year Willis was a 20 game winner. I, uh, I laid minus 180 with the Marlins. And I think I put like $75 on it. And I had no, I did not have that type of money to be betting on games at that point. The mm-hmm. Marlins are up two nothing going into the top of the ninth. They literally commit. If you actually looked at, if you Google this, I'm being serious right now, like September, 2005, Marlins, Phillies, like ninth inning errors. They committed like five errors in the top of the ninth. The Phillies scored 10 runs in the top of the ninth. I lost 10 to, and I'm watching this game and my heart's in my stomach. And I'm like, I, I can't do this. Like, this is the worst feeling I've ever had in my life. Now, obviously I kept betting, right? Cause I'm here now, but don't bet outside your means. Set a budget for yourself. The most important thing. If you're not trying to bet seriously to win, like if you have a job, like an actual day job that pays your bills, I, I think it's best to look at betting as an entertainment expense. Like you pay 20 bucks to go to the movies. You're not getting that 20 bucks back when you leave, but you're entertained. So if you are not doing this seriously or like trying to win, like if that's not your primary objective, then like, please make sure you bet within your means. So that would be the first piece of advice. The second would be is because there's a lot of content out there. um, And I think a lot of it is good, but I think a lot of it is not great. um, And that's not the fault of anyone that's saying it because like the the space is exploding and I would take money-making opportunities if it were me. So I certainly understand, but just like some trends, the question that you would have to ask yourself is like, does this trend have anything to do with what's actually happening in the game today. So like, let's say the Vikings play the Packers in Lambeau and you see a trend online, like the last three times the Vikings have played Green Bay at Lambeau Field and the temperature is 10 to 25 degrees. The Vikings are three, and zero against the spread. The temperature is going to be 17. I like the Vikings. Like those games could have been played in like 1988 or like <laughs> 2002 with like different coaches and different players. Like it may not necessarily mean anything. Or if you're betting props and it's like, well, like the last time this guy played against this team, like a receiver, last time he played against a team or like a, a shooting guard scored 30 points playing against this team. It may be ignoring valuable context. Like maybe like the best defensive player on the other team was out. Maybe like an offensive player on his own team was out forcing him to shoot more shots in that game. So it's just like 
some of these trends can be very valuable and very helpful, but just being able like to be a little skeptical and just to ask yourself, like, does, does this pass the smell test for me? Does this actually matter for a bet that I'm going to make on what could be an entirely different set of circumstances? I think those would be two good places to start. Well, that's great. Very well said. Let's get back to the, the final four, and then I'll get you out of here. This Villanova, Kansas number, you mentioned it earlier, four and a half. Have you picked a side on that? I'm very confident it's going to be Duke, Kansas. And right now you can get those futures. You can take Duke over Duke over Kansas at plus 275, I believe. Do you have a narrative in your head in that game? And have you fired on the four and a half yet? Villanova getting the four and a half. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is wait. Um, and I think I'm probably going to end up betting Villanova. I do think that Kansas is probably going to win the game. Um, at four and a half, I'm not interested. But like we said, like, I, I think that this range is probably okay. Like to guess like Justin Moore's out. How much is he worth? It might prove to be like, it's too much. And maybe Villanova wins. Um, the farther it trails out, the less confident I am in like what the market's saying, like it should be. So five and a half, I'm probably betting Nova. Of course, also though, like I'm going to want to bet on the game. So maybe I'll just bet Villanova even at four and a half. Like I'm just being honest. Like I don't want to have action on the game. So I'm probably going to bet it no matter what. But smart advice for me at least would be wait a little bit, bet Nova. I'm never betting Kansas at this number. I love the over in the game. So I'm on the over Nova, Kansas. Um, this is one of the lowest point totals, 132 and a half. It might be like the second lowest Kansas total we've seen all season. I understand, right? Villanova plays really slow. They played slow, low, lower scoring games. Like Houston is dying to play slow. Michigan plays slow. Ohio State can play slow. Kansas wants to get up and down on that ass, right? Kansas is going to want to run and gun the whole game, try and take and build the lead. And if that happens, Nova's going to have to st score to stay in the game. Um, I think the total is like probably like a decent amount too low here. I'm going to play the over. Um, so that bet will be locked in for me. Nova, Kansas over on Saturday night. I love that. Are you going Duke all the way? Plus 160 right now on your local sports book. Yeah, I do think I think Duke's I think Duke's gonna win the national championship. Yeah, I think it's gonna be Duke in Kansas. I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas won, but like can can Abaji like show up in a big spot? Like, can that happen? Because they they ain't beaten Duke unless he has a massive game. Um, and he has not shown that yet. I mean, if Reggie Miller has called him out like several times in the tournament doing Kansas games, like can, can you show up, please? Like he was good in the second half against Miami, but the tidal wave had started at that point. Kind of that's probably a bad word to use considering we're talking about the hurricanes. But yeah, like it already started at that point, right? So I, I think you got to feel really good about Abaji playing well if you're going to take Kansas to beat Duke or North Carolina in a national title game. And just last thought here on NBA futures. The Suns are the overwhelming favorite in the West. I don't know if I've ever seen a team at plus 115 to win their conference Wild, down the right? stretch here. It's unbelievable. Whether it's a Western fire, Eastern fire, I don't know if you're on Jokic or Embiid for NBA MVP. Is there any NBA futures you're licking your chops at? You're letting your audience know you're firing them. Well, I'm on, we've been on, on the show. Like we have positions on Embiid and Jokic. Um, we, we would like very much for Joel Embiid to win. And I feel like Jokic is probably going to win. So I feel like that is, we are going to lose. Um, I have the Celtics at 28 to one to win the Atlantic division. Wow. Yeah. So we, we talked about that. I don't know, like all these days and shows bleed together. I don't know. Like a couple months ago, we talked, we talked, we had, we took the Celtics and the Raptors. We had Toronto at 40, Boston at 28 when both teams started to play better. Like I didn't necessarily expect Boston was going to obviously be the, the one seed in the conference, but that, so I would like to win those bets. Um, there's one bet and we can kind of talk and I could say for a couple extra minutes, if you'd like as well. Um, as far as like the, the getting away from Eastern and Western conference, 
The Northwest division stuff is very interesting to me right now. So that's the division with Denver. Um, oh, Minnesota, yeah. With Denver. I just fired. I just fired on Denver this morning at plus 210. I had to okay. do it. So we're seeing the same thing here, right? So Utah's minus 278. Denver's like plus 210. Minnesota's farther back. Minnesota probably can't get there. So I think there's seven games left for both teams. Uh, they have the same record. Now, the thing that Utah has to play in its advantage is that Utah swept them in the head-to-head series. So if they finish tied, Utah wins. So like that obviously helps the Jazz. Um, the schedules are pretty similar coming down the stretch, and I actually have this scripted. We're going to do this on, on my show later today. Um, Utah's Lakers at the Warriors, Memphis, OKC, Phoenix at Portland, Denver at Indiana, Timberwolves at the Lakers, Spurs, Memphis hosting the Lakers. Probably like pretty similar. Donovan Mitchell literally, can we curse on this podcast or no? If you go ahead and knock it out. So I'm just going to, what Donovan Mitchell's quote was last night after the Jazz game was, same old shit, same year, basic, like different year, same shit was basically his quote. Right. I don't know. Like, I think it's like not a great brew right now in Utah. I think that's worth like a shot, taking a shot on Denver. I'm not saying like a full unit, like bet a ton on it, but I like that we're on the same page there with Denver to win the division with the numbers being what they're at. Right. I love that you brought that up because I'm literally bringing that up on my show later today. Um, the East is impossible right now only because like Milwaukee is the two right now by virtue of the win last night against Philly. If I am Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, or Philadelphia. I don't want to, I definitely don't want to be two. And I also don't want to be three. I want to be one or four. Brooklyn is going to be the seven, most likely. And like, you do not want to play Brooklyn in the first round. So, so like, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm doing what I can to get out of that two seed right now. You want to be any other number but two if you're one of these teams. So I think it's going to be fascinating how it plays out. I think Milwaukee is the best team in the East. I think I would take Milwaukee if like all things are equal. If Milwaukee's got to play, play, play Brooklyn in the first round, I'm going to bet Miami because like one of those teams is going to lose. That's going to be a war probably. Um, and I would probably want to bet Miami on the other side of the bracket. I do think those are the two best teams though, Brooklyn and, uh, and Milwaukee. I would never bet Philly ever because I don't trust Harden and I definitely don't trust Doc Rivers. So no interest in Philadelphia, no interest in Chicago, a little interest in Boston, depending on the number, but I think I'd rather have Miami with Time Lord out with Robert Williams out. So it just depends on how the bracket is going to shake out. I think we'll really tell the tale of how we're going to have to bet the Eastern Conference because you want to bet Milwaukee now? What if they have to play Brooklyn in the first round? I would much rather them get like Chicago, right? Obviously than have to play Brooklyn. Well said, Nick Costos, Odyssey Sports Betting Insider and the host of You Better You Bet. Absolutely phenomenal, chopping it up. Great insight. Make sure to throw him a follow on Twitter. Check out his show. Nick, we'll have to do it again, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. My man, Moneyline Monica. Listen, I'm going to... I'm going to hold you to that, man. Like, we're going to go out and get a beer in the city and watch some games. It's going to be absolutely awesome. You're doing an awesome job. You should be really proud of the work that you're doing. The content's absolutely sensational. Thank you very much for having me on. Wishing you and your audience minimal sweats, winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. Thank you so much, Nick. Appreciate you. The Volume.